We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Welcome to Put Back on SNY.TV. We've got Steve Popper from Newsday. We've got CP from Knicks Fan TV. We're going to get into... Trade. We're going to get into trade season. We're going to talk about players up and down this roster. But right now, your Knicks sitting at sixth place in the East, four games above 500. I think most people would take that result at this point in the calendar. Jalen Brunson, 78 points over the past two games, helped the Knicks escape what would have been a second straight bad home loss late last night against the Pacers when he and others delivered. CP, are you surprised by anything you've seen from Jalen Brunson over the last couple of nights? No, not surprised at all, man. He, he's been as advertised and Captain Clutch. I mean, you look at it, the last five games, 33 points per game on 52% shooting and 50% from three, six assists to add to that. You know, how about the clutch numbers in a 44-point outing against the Bucs? He had 14 points in crunch time. He had seven last night in their win against the Pacers in crunch time, six against the Spurs. He won the game in Toronto against the Raptors. I mean, Brunson's just been absolutely phenomenal. If only the the entire NBA and the fans would go out there and get him to Utah because he's playing at an all-star level. I mean, just look at the footwork, the, the angles that he's taking to get his shots and, and to get to the bucket. I mean, last night he's driving baseline and he has uh, Andrew Nemhard and, and Jalen Smith on the baseline, steps back, pump fake, has both of them in the air and manages to squeeze in between them and get a nice lefty layup off the glass and one. Uh, just, just watching him play, he's like a maestro out there. He's been terrific. Steve, for you, let's just give a little context. You are going to go to – you're flying to Washington after the show. You've been on the road a lot with this team. You're at every home game. Jalen Brunson, to you, how has he impacted the group and what surprised you in particular – about how he's fit into this offense. You know, I mean, well, first fit into the entire organization. Um, we, we knew about the connections that there were, you know, with, with Tom and with Leon and all this, um, and his father, obviously. But I think what, what, what's really interesting is the buy-in from teammates. You got a guy here who was not, a, you know, a huge superstar. He was a, 
you know, he was a second, second guy sort of in Dallas. And to now think that you've got him and guys like Julius Randle, who've been a very dominant personality, RJ Barrett, you know, with, with Tom and you, and you can see that they've kind of taken a, a you know, not a backseat, but given him the room to do what he does. You know, CP was just on the clutch time uh, numbers. You know, for Julius to give the ball up to to kind of, you know, acquiesce to what, what he does there, I, I think that's a big step and shows the kind of personality he is. Um, I, I think as much as this team needed a point guard, they needed a leader. They needed a leader on the floor. And they needed a leader in the in the locker room, and that's what he's been since he got here. Yeah, I mean, the off-the-court stuff, to me, whenever he talks about it, he doesn't talk a lot about himself, but he will reference the idea that he's always trying to connect with teammates, get together when they're together. He just wants uh, conversations here and there, talks to players as if they're equals, as if they're his brothers and not as if he's talking down to them as the you know uh, number one player on the team talking to the eighth guy. And that seems to resonate everybody and I think you know you talked about Randall Emmanuel quickly too just playing really well of late uh as a starter and now you know coming back to coming off the bench with RJ Barrett back in the rotation uh Brunson quickly I think that there were some concerns over the size when those two play together um that backcourt and defensively what it would mean but it's looked pretty good of late uh Emmanuel quickly obviously name has come up uh, as a potential trade target, but CP, your thoughts on on quickly in general and what he's brought lately? Yeah, I mean, you have to love first off what he brings on the defensive front. You know, his defensive acumen, his IQ, his anticipation skills. Uh, quickly, he's been great on that front, and you know, being inserted as a starter in place of RJ Barrett, he started to shoot the ball a lot better. You just hope that he's able to elevate the the bench a little bit because the bench is in desperate need of both offense and defense. And so, when it comes to quickly on the trade front, I think the Knicks would be hard pressed to trade him, especially if you're not getting a a better or comparable player in return if you're talking about just just punting for future draft capital I think that's a hard sell uh, for the team and to the fan base for a guy like it quickly who's shown his versatility his skills on the defensive end and for a team like the Knicks who are currently sixth in the east and looking to compete for the playoffs quickly is going to be important in in that run Steve your thoughts I I mean I agree with that I think First of all, defensively, I, you know, I, I think that's sort of the biggest find they've had this year. You know, I thought coming into the year, obviously, Brunson was going to be a huge addition. I, I was wrong. I thought Derrick Rose would, you know, return to health would be a big part of it. I think the biggest thing has been quickly, um, not just the shooting. We know that since he joined the league. But the defense has gotten so much better this year. And pairing with Quentin Grimes, who basically has become the stopper defensively, those two guys have made a huge difference in this team. And, and I think – there, there's sort of a job here to be done for it. figuring – we saw it last night against Indiana. Figure out who's finishing games, um, how much you value. Um, you know, Grimes didn't play for the last 115 in the fourth quarter. You know, you got you to decide how you value his, his defense, um, you know, versus R.J. Barrett, versus uh, going big. You know, I think Tom wants quickly Brunson, Barrett, Grimes to be part of this, and he's got to figure out how he's going to use them there. I think that's an interesting challenge for him. Yeah, definitely an interesting challenge, Steve. On the trade front, you know, we had noted earlier that the Knicks had taken some calls, gotten some calls on Emmanuel quickly. That was earlier this season, and obviously the way he's played recently, I'm sure a lot more teams have, have interest in quickly now. But I, I was told that as of late, teams that have been in touch with the Knicks, you know, got the feeling that they're not trying to gauge a market 
on a manual quickly. They're, they're not out there uh, aggressively seeking conversations, looking to move him. I don't think anyone's untouchable on this roster, obviously. You guys know that. But in terms of their willingness to listen, I think they were more willing to listen earlier in the season when we talked about it earlier than they are today. Uh, I think that tells you a little bit about where they are with quickly, and they've got that extension potentially uh, this offseason. So uh, decisions to be made in-game with Tom Thibodeau and then in the offseason with the front office and also I'll be topping in that same boat. And when you guys look at topping, uh, what do you see in terms of what he's brought since coming back from injury, CP, and how he fits going yeah. forward? It's been a tough, tough go. I mean, maybe he needs a little bit more time to to get conditioned and get back into the swing of things. Only nine minutes last night in the win against the Pacers. It's just very hard to see, especially the way that Julius Randle is playing. It's still going to be a challenge to see where Obi Toppin's minutes are going to come from and how well will he be able to contribute with limited minutes right now. I do wonder... And with the way that Isaiah Hartenstein has been struggling, would Tom Thibodeau revisit the Randall top in front court as he had earlier this season? Because uh, with Obi just getting such limited minutes, we see that with the more minutes that he plays, the more comfort- comfortable he-, he gets and the better he's able to contribute to this team. But right now, again, with, with Julius playing so well, I'm just not sure where he fits in the grand scheme of things. And Steve, the minutes, at least against Indiana, uh, it looked like a six-man rotation, essentially, because a couple of guys got spot minutes in and out. Uh, where, did, where does Toppin fit into this group currently? Right, I think quickly was the only uh, reserve that got double-digit minutes last night um, and went from the 42 he'd been playing over the last seven games, so I think about 26. Um, look, I, I, I think it's going to be tough for Obi. And, and when we talked, when he got hurt, we're like, you know, how do you replace Obi? What's, what are you going to do here? Well, the thing is, he was playing 17 minutes a game before that. Julius has picked up his play even more since then. You know, I think occasionally they'll want to spot him because you'll see maybe some signs of fatigue with, with wearing down with what he's the load that he's had uh, being the one guy who's played every game. Um, I, I, I think that it, it's a very odd situation. Sort of going back to the quickly thing, you know, I, I think we both heard probably similar things that Emmanuel had an interest maybe in having a go to a place where he could be a starter. The Knicks maybe not wanting to pay an extension price on a guy who's going to be a sixth man ideally in their in their system. Um, I think he's played his way out of that. I, I think Obi is a different situation. You've got to kind of figure out how long-term you're going with Julius here. Um, you know, is he a guy that with what he's doing this year, you want to move at some point? I, I don't think you do. I think he's fit in with Brunson and he gives you things that, that Obi just can't do. Um, it, to me, like if, if you're moving Hartenstein out of the, out of the rotation, I'm thinking Jericho Sims might be the guy who gets back in more because there's been such an emphasis on the defensive side here. Mm-hmm. And Jericho, Jericho has amazing footwork for a big man. Um, doesn't have the strength to go against real big centers, but he can guard fours. He can guard ones when, when he's out there on isolated mm-hmm. on occasion. I, I just think Tom sort of, sort of after, you know, what happened earlier this year, he really put a, a focus on guys who defend. And Opie has improved there, but he ha- he's not at that level yet where you say, I got to get him on the floor in crunch time. Yeah, I, I just think there's so many scenarios that have kind of pushed him further and further into the rotation. The, the Hartenstein acquisition, uh, Sims's progress as a rookie and, and where he is now, and Tom Thibodeau's proclivity to play uh, bigger centers or, or, or bigger guys in the front court. And then Julius Randle's all-star caliber play this thing has just been a conundrum for the last three years. I just really don't see 
um, where the the answer is. However, I do think that if the Knicks do not go out and, and make a significant acquisition to their bench, Obi's contribution is still going to be dependent upon because right now it's just quickly who's going to be giving you some semblance of offense coming up off that bench in that nine-man rotation. So they're going to have to figure out how to get Obi going, uh, getting going downhill, get him out in transition, and obviously spacing the floor as a three-point shooter. Yeah, I think, I think now, what, Tom is, what Tom has done there too has, has been not going with a, a strictly bench unit. It's always Barrett or Brunson. One yeah. of them is on the court. Uh, all the time with that second unit. And Barrett has really flour- flourished, I think, in that role. Now, I'm going to ask both of you guys to put on your executive uh, suits, uh, you know, whether it's Steve Scott Perry or Brock Aller, World Wide West, uh, Leon Rose, who am I forgetting? Gerson Rosas. <laughs> put on the suit. Pretend you're in that executive suite in Madison Square Garden. You're talking shop. CP, what are you doing? Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly, you extending both of them? Uh, are you looking to move one by the trade deadline? Are you figuring out in the offseason? How are you approaching those two? I would look at it in the offseason. As I said with quickly, he's too important for this team right now to make a, a midseason trade unless you're bringing in a, a significant target. For Obi, again, they've got to figure out where he fits in this situation. We, we talked about it on our uh, Next versus Paces uh, preview show. Is an Obi for a Chris Duarte swap? something that may make sense for both teams. You know, Duarte not getting as much playing time with the Pacers as as he had hoped. He's a 3 and D wing that I think could help this Knicks team off the bench as well. And so I would take calls on Obi if, if they're not going to look to trade Julius Randle, which at this rate he's playing at an all-star level, you, you wouldn't think they would. Take some calls and see because I don't think uh, you want to invest significant assets into your bench role players in a quickly in an OB top. And you still have 11 first round picks in the next seven years. So I think they have to be very careful in, in how they're allocating their resources uh, because you don't, again, you don't want to invest in the middle of the road team. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more likely that you start Nets fan TV than it is the Knicks <laughs> trading Julius Randle. Right. So let's go. Let's go to Steve. Steve, what's your take? OB quick. How do you work it out? I think the same thing. It's it's something you're going to wait on. I look, I think quickly right now is the asset that they're dangling out there. Um, I don't think they want to move him, but I think he's a guy that there's interest in the league. A lot of teams say this is a you know a combo guard who plays both ends of the floor. He's a very good shooter. There's value in that, and when you start pairing that with all these draft picks, maybe you do get the next level. I, I think to me the one, one thing I think CP mentioned this earlier. I don't think they want to go backwards right now. I don't think they want to go building. They're in sixth place. Um, there are jobs on the line here, you know, and, and yeah. that's the coach. That's the front office. You know, yeah. you know, that was a disappointing year last year. They haven't done some of the things they thought they were going to do, bringing in stars. They failed at it this summer. Jalen has been, a, a, you know, a godsend to them and probably saved jobs. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but I think, I think if they're moving somebody, they're moving it to get that next level guy. I, I don't think they're moving quickly for, for you know, future assets to get a first rounder, um, which I think is sort of what the price tag was out there. I, mm-hmm. I think it's more piecing him together and, and seeing what you can get. And, and OB, OB is an interesting one. Look, look I, on the quickly thing also, the, you know, extension eligible, they can put it off, and I think they will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to rush into it. He doesn't become an unrestricted free agent or anything. I, right. I think you wait, you see what he is, and you see what other moves you can make to where he is in your organization or wh- where you're going to move him to. Thank you, Brock. I mean, Steve. Um, and also, <laughs> you, you look at the whole situation on, on quickly and on anybody else. I think that 
when teams talk of the Knicks now, part of their thinking is because they've won some games and had success, any move they make is going to have to improve their rotation. So whoever's going out, whoever comes in has to be an upgrade. And that's, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. So like you said, you're not talking about uh, a salary dump or a dump just to get picks back. So I think that's part of the thinking, at least at the moment now with the Knicks. Now we're going to Matt Spenley, who has a question from a viewer. What's up, fellas? Perfect transition because this question comes from Ed and it's about Zach Levine. What's the deal with him? Is he someone that the Knicks will potentially be interested in? You would think he's someone that would be an upgrade, but the sense I get from a lot of the fan base is he is not the number one option that people would be interested in targeting. So, Ian, what's the latest there? And then potentially um, the rest of you guys, how would you feel about that potentially being a move that the Knicks would make at the deadline? Yeah, well, first things first, your Chicago has to make Zach Levine available. I don't think they've they've made any, made any declarative decisions there in terms of what they're going to do before the deadline. The other piece of it is the Knicks, their big swing. Uh, it's got to be a big swing that definitively moves them up in the Eastern Conference, makes them uh, contenders for an Eastern Conference title and beyond. And I think that there at least is some uh, dissension or uh, some people don't support the idea of a Zach Levine trade moving you up to that upper echelon in the East, depending on what you'd have to give back to Chicago. They don't see it that as the move. And if the bar was as high as it was for Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks ultimately deciding not to give up what they were needing to give up to get him in here, you could imagine that there would be some hesitancy internally on Zach Levine. And I think that's where it is at the moment. Steve, what about you? What are you hearing? Well, I agree. And I, and I think, look, you know, when, when the name came up, when you wrote that last week, the, the one thing I say to myself is, who are they Who are they putting him in the start? Like, you want to bring a star in. Are you going to bench R.J. Barrett, who is your number three overall pick, who you just handed out $107 million to? Um, Quentin Grimes, Tom Thibodeau loves him, and he has a great value not only as a two-way player, but um, they really need his defense because as much as um, Jalen Brunson plays hard on that end, he, you know, he gives up size. He's not an elite defender. Um, to me, the, those guys, that starting lineup, you've got to really take an upgrade. Um, and you're not bringing Zach Levine in here to be a sixth man. So, so I, I just don't see them making that kind of move. I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell was a different deal. They, they, they see him as a guy who is, one, not injury prone, two, uh, you know, 70-point game scorer who can get his shot anytime he wants. Um, you know, when you're talking fit, I, I just don't think Zach Levine makes sense for them right now. Uh, where they're at, what they're doing. Uh, he's a good player. I just don't see you giving up the franchise for that level. I think I think when you're making that move where you're going to give up assets that you're hesitant to, to move, this is not the one. And look, maybe you wait until R.J. Barrett is eligible with the poison pill gone, uh, and he's a guy who gets moved in a deal like this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I wouldn't go for it right now. And again, it's not the fact that Levine's not a good player. He's an obvious bucket. But I have questions of the fit. As Steve has said, the contract is is pretty large. And with knee injury, knee issues, a guy who, who's not known for a, a defender, I think it changes the whole dynamic of your starting five on both ends. Because now you bring in a, a poor defender, you would ideally have to put Quentin Grimes on the bench, which is something that I'm, I'm fully against. And then offensively, you're adding another high-usage player who needs the ball in his hands with a Jalen Brunson, with a Julius Randle, with an R.J. Barrett. And so it's still a tricky fit. And then on top of that, if you have to part with Emmanuel quickly uh, from your rotation, then your defense is even more compromised. So I just don't see Levine as being that guy that's really going to push the Knicks to the top of the East, as Ian had said. And so for me, I'd opt to go a little bit cheaper Maybe Gerson Rosas can jump back on the phone with his contact at uh, at Utah at Utah Jazz. Maybe a Malik Beasley's available. You check in on a price on a Jordan Clarkson. See if you can upgrade your bench that way. Beasley's contract is is edible, fifteen million dollars. He's got a team option for the twenty four twenty five season. Fourteen points per game, thirty six percent from three. A guy who the Knicks have been interested in in the past. I'd look that route rather than trying to go the the, the Zach Levine route. I don't, I don't see it for the Knicks. Yeah, I think you look Utah, you look Atlanta, maybe Toronto. You see where they go in terms of uh, making a big deal. Uh, obviously, Chicago, we already talked about. Uh, in Toronto, you know, the Knicks had checked in earlier on OG and an OB. This was prior to their eight-game winning streak, and I think it was a casual conversation. But, you know, the, the sense that I got was that they were willing to give up a significant price for OG back then. Now they're in a different place. I, I don't know if it's the same right now. And who knows if Toronto wants to give him up. But I agree with CP. A smaller deal probably makes more sense. Steve, what are you hearing out there? Yeah, I think, think, look, you know, when we're sitting here dreaming of stars that they're going to add, I I think the most likely thing is they're going to find a home for Cam Reddish. Um, You know, there's going to be a – someone's going to give a second-round pick and the Knicks are going to, you know, swallow their pride and take that. I I think, you know, Evan Fournier, I I think, has been a good soldier. I think they'd like to do right by him. to me, I still believe that, you know, Derrick Rose sticks here and some point late in the season, you know, he's going to have a valuable role off the bench. Um, 
to me, though, like I said, they, I think they're going to move some of these guys that, that they're not using that are out of the rotation. I, I think Fournier and Reddish are the most likely, um, and I think Reddish probably more than anyone. Look, maybe somebody in the league still sees the upside there as the Knicks did, and you take a shot on him. He's an expiring contract. You know, a team like the Lakers, obviously, that, you know, that's seeking guys who can score, you know, athletic. He's, he's a fit in a lot of places. Um, but he, he's got he's to finally, you know, show the potential that he's flashed and hasn't achieved, at, you know, so far. Yeah, I agree. So they're going to find something for Cam Reddish, I would assume. Uh, and I agree, Lakers are always going to have some interest. And we'll see if that next place, next organization uh, is able to get the best out of Cam Reddish. It hasn't happened here. Uh, based on everything we've seen, I don't see it happening here. Uh, as you guys said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere else. We are going now back to Matthew Spenley with another fan question. Okay, fellas, this one is from Gotcha Open. He's asking, do you think Tibbs has reached his coaching ceiling for this team? So obviously this is a popular discussion point on a nightly basis when the Knicks are playing. Is Tibbs the right coach? We have been exhaustive on this process, but I think everyone's got their take. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Why don't we start with CP? Yeah, you know, I, I think fans don't like to give Tibbs a lot of credit. But when you take a look at, you know, step back and take a look at this thing, this team is in the top 10 in offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating. One of four teams with a winning record uh, on the road. You know, they're sixth in the East right now after winning 37 games last year. Look to be making a, a prominent push for the playoffs. Four games under 500 right now. I think the team is still bought in. They're still playing with a lot of energy. First in league and second chance points. You know, beasts on the boards when you look at what, what Julius and, and Mitch are doing. So you have to give Tibbs some credit there. You can't, you can't just say, well, we're doing that all in spite of Tibbs. They're, they're, they're playing on them. They are bought in. But there's still questions remain in terms of his in-game adjustments. Just last night against the Pacers, we saw – these starters logging heavy, heavy minutes. I mean, Julius Randle from the opening tip of this game looked like he was already spent. You could see it in his face, in his body language, that he just didn't have anything. Jalen Brunson had one minute of rest in between the third and the fourth quarter, but he still came in with, with a lot of heroics. R.J. Barrett coming back, he, he's logging 40 minutes. So there's still questions in terms of will these guys have enough to make it to the finish line, make it in the playoffs and have a positive impact. Uh, how is he doing in-game adjustments with the rotations in that Bucks game? I didn't think any Evan Fournier had any business playing in that fourth quarter. Uh, you have Hartenstein struggling mightily. Why isn't Jericho Sims getting minutes? He just seems to be so rigid in terms of his, his in-game adjustments, the substitution patterns, and just an overall game plan. I mean, I, I would go back to, to Ian and Steve because – in Tibbs' soundbite after that Bucks game, he had seemed to, you know, absolve himself from any responsibility in terms of making the necessary adjustments defensively in the second half once the Bucs were, were making that charge, and, and especially from downtown. Yeah, he's not going to show any, I guess, uh, evidence of, like, uh, owning up to – I don't want to say owning up to, but he's not going to, like – give you anything in a press conference in terms of we should have done this, this player screwed this up, uh, this guy screwed this up. He's not going to go there. I think we've, we've learned that over time with Tom. Steve, mm -hmm. I think you'd agree. But I thought last night was interesting because, you know, he was being asked about uh, the lead and the lead dissipating and is it concerning? He kind of laughed. He said, yeah, it's concerning. But 
I'm concerned about winning. And so you got a little defensive in that moment. And I think from a big picture perspective, CPU hit it. I mean, this team, like it's eighth or seventh in net rating. Again, sixth in the East, four games over 500. We're at the midway point of this season. Uh, young players are playing. Uh, Julius Randle, most part, for the most part, is, is getting off the ball, moving the ball. He's running in transition. Uh, the defense is very, very strong. So he's, to me, checked off a lot of boxes that seem to be concerns uh, among the fan base, at least the, the fans that I hear from about Thibodeau. Um, the rigidity is still there. Is he the as he reached the ceiling? I think it's a it's a fair question. It's a good question. I'm not sure how to answer it. I think, you know, you see what happens the rest of this year. Uh, you see how the starters and how the players that are logging heavy minutes, how they look in March and April and into the play-in tournament or in the playoffs. The Knicks get there. I think that's that's when you can answer that question. Um, but look, they're winning. So from a bottom line perspective, I think you give Tom Thibodeau a lot of credit. Uh, he's he's been one of the best coaches for this franchise in some time, and he's established uh, some principles here. And I think that's what you bring Tom Thibodeau in to do. Um, is he the guy to bring them to the next level? Well, they're not there yet. So in the here and now, he's the right guy for this job. Uh, is he loved in the locker room? Uh, I, I wouldn't say universally loved, but that's always the case in the NBA. And if you're winning games, that stuff doesn't matter. If you're losing games, that stuff matters. Steve, your thoughts on tips? Well, well, first of all, what you just said, no coach is universally loved, but the important thing is do you have the guys who are who you need? And he yeah. does. He yeah. has Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle, to me, has bought in completely. Um, it was a strange year last year, but but everything he says is uh, supports everything Tom is doing. You know, Tom gives him, you know, asks him to do more minutes, and he's like, whatever you say, coach. Um, to, to me, look, this criticism, Tom, is it's the strangest thing I've ever seen. This has been a dysfunctional franchise for decades, and he's a grown-up who came in and changed the culture. Um, and and, and kind of, I, I, I tick every, I, I tick off every criticism, and I'm like, you know, they're like, he doesn't play the kids, but he does play the kids. Um, he, you know, we don't see the hours and hours of practice, but he knows better than we do, better than fans do who's ready, who, you know, who's performing in practice. Um, you know, and, and like when you see like, for example, Cam Reddish, it's not just what you see in the game. It's the way he practices too. Um, and, and that, and on the opposite of that, it's somebody like Quentin Grimes who has been get handed a huge role, you know, very quickly, Emmanuel quickly, you know, it was a starter, you know, or a huge contributor as a rookie. There's, there's no hesitance to play kids here. It's just when they're ready and, and what they're doing on the court. I, and I think the the progress you've seen in quickly in Grimes and McBride, um, sort sort of you know even Obi, you know I, I, I've seen great great uh, development with these young kids. Um, and and the biggest thing I look at is look at this roster. This is not a championship roster. If you tell me somebody could milk more out of this team, you know I challenge you. Who's doing it? Um, I think I think they're getting the most out of you know it takes playing them a lot of minutes. The guys who are contributing. I, I think there's not stars here. You know, Jalen Brunson has had a great year. But, you know, are you, how are you shaping him up to some of the stars of the league? I, I don't know. Maybe he's, you know, he's still, he's still an undersized guy who, you know, has trouble on defense. To, to me, uh, Tom has really done a good job of, of maximizing, you know, I, I don't think any of us predicted more than a 500 team here. And they're a little above that, and they're in the playoff picture to me. 
fans should be like <laughs> rejoicing that we're not uh, we're not you know talking about Victor Wembanyama yet. Right, and I think that too. Like you go back to earlier this year, before that eight game winning streak. I mean, there was there was a lot of uh, internal frustration. I think uh, from ownership, James Dolan on down about where things were. I think the Knicks back then were on a precipice of you know changes coming, and and I don't think it was just Thibodeau, but Thibodeau's job was certainly on the line when you go back to uh, that Dallas loss back in uh, when they were home, and then they beat Cleveland the next night. And uh, things were shaky then, and so now. Tom Thibodeau and the group, top down, right of the ship, and they seem to be able to to show competency here. And I think if they remain at this level, you know, four, three, five games above 500, and they're in the playoff race, and and they show competency night in and night out, I think everybody's safe. I think the water's calm in terms of job security, and then uh, and then you go, you go into this offseason with Leon Rose as your team president. I would assume Tom Thibodeau is your head coach, and, and you go from there. And we're going to go back now to Matt Spenley for another fan question. Okay, guys, this is a very basic fan question for you guys. Uh, Sir Charles Barkley. Wow, fan of the show. Sir Charles Barkley is asking, who else misses Mark Berman? <laughs> this is his inquiry. This is what he wants to know. I mean, I think he speaks for everybody. So um, yeah. everybody misses Mark Berman. <laughs> yeah. can, can, can I change the subject quickly? <laughs> uh, look, look, uh, just one thing on, on, on Thibodeau, um, kind of what, what you were saying there, Ian. I, I think the one, one thing that we didn't mention is there was a point, you know, where there was struggles earlier this year. And I'm not sure everybody was on board with the decision, but Tom did something kind of bold. He went with guys who are his guys, the guys who play hard every night, the guys who defend. And, you know, I'm sure there were some people, in, you know, in the front office who were like, you know, he's wasting this guy, he's wasting that guy. But it has worked. And, and, and kind of I give credit to Tom of, you know, if you're going to go down, if you're going to get fired, I'm going down my way. I'm not, I'm not going to be the, you know, uh, you know, focus just on pace. I'm, I'm putting defenders in there and doing, doing my job that way. Um, now, back to Berman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, talk, we, we still talk. And, uh you know, I, I, I kind of, I just don't believe he's, he's uh, done here. Sort of, I, I feel like a, like a Thibodeau comeback that, uh, or Derek Rose coming back a second time. I, I think Brunson, CP, you're going to have to compete. I think there's going to be a Berman podcast someday yeah. or something. Uh, I hope so, man. God, I miss Mark. The, the, besides the word defense or Jalen, the word Berman has been brought up most in these press conferences yeah. this year. Uh, I miss him. He's turned into the Nick Beat ombudsman to a degree. Uh, he, he critiques us, and I respect it. Uh, miss him a lot. Uh, he he made the job a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure some fans miss him. Some fans don't. I'm curious to see how how CP feels about it. But I miss you, Mark. Ah, uh, Berman's my guy, man. He he was one of the first guys on the beat that I spoke to when I was trying to you know break into the industry, and and he's always been a, a, a good. Um, um, supporter, a great supporter uh, of the Knicks Fan TV Wave. He seems to be enjoying life down there in Florida. But, you know, occasionally on Twitter, you see Berman lobbing grenades over the fence and, you know, he's still tapping into to what's going on. So it seems like he's off the beat, but he's, he's still keeping a close tab on things. Hey, he was part of the most important meme for the Knicks and, and Knicks fans. Relax, relax. relax. <laughs> well, uh, keep those grenades coming, Mark. Uh, we'd love to have the, you on the show sometime soon to get your insights from sunny Florida. Uh, that'll do it for us. CP, 
Thank you so much, Nick Fan TV. Guys, check that out. You know where it is. Steve Popper, appreciate your time. Newsday, certainly read him every day. And keep it locked into us here at the putback, SNY.TV. We'll be back next week, Thursday, 1 p.m., with a live episode. We'll see you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.